Section 32 of The Exploits of Juba by Marcel, Elaine, and Pierre Souvestre. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 32 The Silent Executioner. Juba was in his study, smoking a cigarette. It was nine in the evening. The door leading to the lobby opened, and Fandor walked in all right this evening all right what brings you here fandor the journalist smiled and pointed to a calendar on the wall the fact that it's this evening juba the date fixed by chalet or fantomas for my demise to-morrow morning i am to be found in my bed strangled crushed or something of the sort i suppose you've come to get a farewell interview for la capitale to gather the minutest details of the frightful crime so that you can publish a special edition the tragedy in rue bonaparte juva overcome by fantomas fondor listened amused at the detective's outburst you'd be angry with me juva he declared in the same jocular strain for passing by such a sensational piece of news wouldn't you that is so and then i own i expected my last evening to be a lonely one there was a feeling of sadness at the bottom of my heart. I thought that before dying I should have liked to say farewell to young Fandor, whose life I am continually putting in peril by my crazy ventures, but whom I love as the surest of companions, the sagest of advisers, the most discreet of confidants. Fandor was touched. With a spontaneous movement he sprang to the armchair in which Juva sat, seized and wrung the detective's hands. What? i shall stay here you don't suppose i'm going to leave you to pass this night alone juva touched beyond measure by fondor's words seemed uncertain what he ought to decide i can't pretend fondor that your presence is not agreeable and i'm grateful to you for your sympathy i knew i could count on you but after all lad we must look ahead and consider all contingencies fantomas may succeed now you know what i have set out to do if i should fail i should like to think that you would carry on the work as my successor and put an end to fantomas but juba you are threatened by fantomas that is why i am here to help you well i have no bed to put you in fondor taken aback stared at the detective the latter rose and began walking about the room then turned sharply and gazed at the young man you are quite determined to stay with me yes and if i bade you go i should disobey you very well then concluded juba shrugging his shoulders come along and light me the detective passed out of the apartment and made for the stairs where are we bound for asked fondor the garret juba replied a quarter of an hour later juba and fondor dragged into the bedroom a huge open-work wicker basket Whew! cried juba mopping his forehead no one would believe it was so heavy Fondor smiled. "'It's full of rubbish. Really, Juba, you are not a tidy man.' Juba, without reply, proceeded to empty the basket, pulling out books, linen, pieces of wood, carpet, rolls of paper, in fact, the accumulated refuse of fifteen years. "'What is your height?' he asked. "'If I remember right, five feet ten. Juba got out his pocket measure and took the length of the crate. "'That's all right,' he murmured. "'You'll be quite snug and comfortable in it.' Fondor burst out. "'You're a cheerful host, Juba. You bottle up your guests in cages now?' 
Juva placed a mattress at the bottom of the basket and laid two blankets over that, then he put a pillow on top. Patting the bedding to make it smooth, he declared with a laugh, I fear nothing, but I have taken precautions. I have posted two men in the porter's lodge. I have loaded my revolver and dined comfortably. About half-past eleven I shall go to bed as usual. However, instead of going to sleep, I shall endeavour to keep awake. At dinner I took three cups of coffee, and when you go I shall drink a fourth. Excuse me, said Fondor, but I am not going away. There, you'll sleep splendid inside that, Fondor. The journalist, used to the devices of his friend, nodded his head. Juba had already taken off his coat and waistcoat, and now drew from a box three belts half a yard in breadth, and studded outside with sharp points. "'Look, Fondor, I shall be completely protected when I am swathed in them. Oh,' he added, "'I was going to forget my leg-guards.' Juba went back to the box, and took out two other rolls, also studded with spikes. Fondor looked in amazement at his gear, and Juba observed laughingly, "'It will cost me a pair of sheets, and maybe a mattress.' "'What does it mean?' "'These defensive works have a double object, to protect me against Fantomas, or the executioner he will send, and also I shall be able to determine the civil status of the executioner in question.' Fondor, more and more puzzled, inspected the iron spikes, which were two or more inches in length. "'This contrivance is not new,' said Juba. "'Lebeuf wore arm-guards like these under his jackets, and when the officers wanted to seize him, they tore their hands.' "'I know, I know,' replied Fondor. "'But—' The detective all at once laid a finger on his lips. "'It's now twenty past eleven, and I am in the habit of being in bed at half-past. Fantomas is bound to know it. When he comes or sends, he must not notice anything out of the way. Get into your wicker case and shut the lid down carefully. By the by, I shall leave the window slightly open. Isn't that a bit risky? It's one of my habits, and not to make Fantomas suspicious, I alter my ways in nothing. Fondor settled himself in his case, and Juba also got into bed. As he put out the light, he gave a warning. We mustn't close an eye or utter a word. Whatever happens, don't move. But when I call, strike a light at once and come to me. All right, replied Fondor. Fondor! Juva's cry rent the stillness of the night, loud and compelling. The journalist leaped from his wicker basket so abruptly that he knocked against the lampstand and the lamp fell to the floor. Fondor searched for his matches in vain. Light up, Fondor! shouted Juva. The noise of a struggle, the dull thud of a fall on the floor, maddened the journalist. In the darkness he heard Juba groaning, scraping the floor with his boots, making violent efforts to resist some mysterious assailant. "'Be quick, in God's name!' implored the pain-wrung voice of the detective. Fondor trod on the glass of the lamp which broke. He tripped, knocked his head against a press, rebounded, then suddenly uttered a terrible cry. His hands, outstretched apart in the gloom, had brushed a cold, shiny body which slid under his palms. Fondor! Help! Fondor! Desperate, Fondor plunged haphazard about the disordered chamber wrapped in darkness. Suddenly he rushed into the study hard by, found there another lamp, which he lit in haste, and hurried back with it. A fearful sight wrung a cry of terror from him. Juva, on his knees on the floor, was covered with blood. Juva! It's all right, Fondor. Someone has bled, but not I. The detective rushed to the open window and leaned out into the dark night. Listen, he cried. Do you hear that low hissing, that dull rustling? Yes, I heard it just now. 
it was the executioner the detective drew back into the room shut the window pulled down the blinds and then took off his armor curiously he examined the stains of blood the tiny shreds of flesh that had remained on the points we have no more to fear now he said the stroke has been tried and has failed juba tell me what has happened i may be an idiot but i don't understand at all you are no fool fondor far from it but if in many circumstances you reason and argue with considerable aptness i grant you far less deductive faculty that does not seem to be your fort fondor seated himself before the detective and the latter held forth when we found ourselves faced with the first crime that of the cite frochot and our notice was drawn to the elusive fantomas we were unable to decide in what manner that hapless madame raymond whom we then took for the lady beltham had been done to death now remember fandor that during the night of mystery hidden behind the curtains in shellac's study we heard weird rustlings and faint sort of hissings didn't we we did admitted fandor at a loss but go on juva when we were called to investigate the attack on the american dixon it was easy for us to conclude that the attempt of which the pugilist had been the object was the outcome of the same plan of battle as that which cost the widow valgrand her life the mysterious executioner which chalet did not disguise from lady beltham was thus a being endowed with vigour enough to completely crush a woman's body and likely do as much to that of an ordinary man but the executioner in question was not strong enough to get the better of the grand physique of the champion pugilist since it failed in its attempt this instrument of limited power if i may so describe it must then be not a mechanism which nothing can resist but a living being it must also be a creature striking panic terrifying formidable you ask why fandor yes to be sure i am going to tell you if our poor friend josephine were not still in a high fever she would certainly uphold me you remember the business on the boulevard perrier chalet or fantomas wants to be rid of the woman he loved under the guise of lupart since he has gone back to lady beltham moreover josephine chatters too much with dixon with the police chalet fantomas therefore goes up to josephine's after having told the poor creature i know not what yarn he departs leaving behind in his hold-all the instrument now this last when it shows itself so terrifies the poor girl that she throws herself out of the window i begin to see what you mean said the journalist listen replied juba the mysterious nameless and terrible accomplice of fantomas is no other than a snake a snake trained to crush bodies in its coils after having long suspected its existence i began to be sure of it when i found that strange scale at newly this accounts for the incomprehensible state of madame valgrand's body the extraordinary attempt on dixon the murderous thing that terrified josephine that is why expecting to-night's visit i barbed myself with iron like a knight of old feeling pretty sure that if the hands of the officers were torn by the armlets of Lebeuf, the coils of fantomas serpent would be flayed on touching my sharp spikes juva cried fandor if i hadn't had the bad luck to upset the lamp we should have caught this frightful beast probably but what should we have done with it after all it's better that it should go back to fantomas but you haven't told me what happened the young man's face displayed such curiosity that juva burst out laughing journalist incorrigible newsmonger all right take notes for your article describing this appalling adventure so then fandor the lamp once out the hours go by a trifle more slowly in the darkness than in the light 
as for me armored as i was i tried not to stir in my bed to spare the sheets juva is not wealthy midnight one o'clock two the quarter past how long it is then an alarm a cat that mews strangely then comes that little hissing sound i begin to know hiss hiss oh what a horrid feeling i guess that the window is opening wider you heard as i did fandor the revolting scales grit on the boards but you didn't know what it was whereas i did know it was the snake i swear to you it needed all my pluck not to flinch for i wanted at any cost to see it through to the end and know whether behind this reptile fantomas was not going to show his vile snout ah the brute how quickly he went to work as i was listening my muscles tense my nerves on edge i suddenly felt my sheet stir the foul beast is trained to attack beds remember the attack on dixon and suddenly it was the grip furious quick as a whip-stroke twining about me i was thrown down tossed shaken torn like a feather tied up like a sausage my arms glued to my body my loins hampered i intended not to say a word i had faith in my ironwork but to be frank i was scared awfully scared and i yelled fandor help oh those accursed moments he began to squeeze horribly when all at once i felt a cold liquid flow over my skin blood the brute was wounded we still wrestled then you tripped in the darkness and smashed the glass of the lamp and i was choking gradually all my life i shall remember it and then what a relief what joy when the grip slackened when he gives up and makes off the beast glided over the floor reached the window hissed frantically and vanished there monsieur reporter you have impressions from life and rough ones too well the luck is turning and i think it is veering to our quarter things are going from bad to worse for fantomas i tell you fandor we shall nab him before long end of chapter thirty two read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com